Hi, this is John Ratzenberger. That's right, the same John Ratzenberger that played the part of the very handsome mailman on the TV show Cheers. Now, it's a little-known fact that, in my heart, I'm just a country boy. Welcome to the NutriBlends Animal Ag Podcast, where we tell the truth about American agriculture. On this podcast, false rumors are run out of town. Misleading marketing gets called out for what it is, and you better have good science to back up your claims or you're getting a boot. You hear me? I'm John Ratzenberger, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Today's discussion will focus on nutrition and its role in the microbiome maintenance and how it can generate a more stable, efficient rumen, as well as confer immunity through genetic upregulation. Dr. Darren Henry brings extensive expertise in animal health and husbandry to his leadership position in Diamond V. He also brings practical financial business management and production animal medicine to Diamond V customers and allied industry partners. Dr. Henry attended Oregon State University, where he received his B.S. in animal science as well as his DVM. Welcome, Dr. Henry. Go Ducks. Is that the right? Beavers. Oh, you're Beavers? Oregon State's Beavers? Oregon State's the Beavers. Oregon is the Ducks. But I do have some affiliation there. I had an uncle and a cousin that, you know, uh, both played football there and then went on to play some pro ball. So I at least appreciate the fact they gave him the opportunity to move to the next level. Well, I, I, I happen to think beavers are the smartest animals on earth. Have you ever tried to remove a beaver dam? I have. It's a, it's a complex organism, that yeah. beaver dam. I mean, it's hard, you can hardly dynamite it. <laughs> exactly I've seen bulldozers right. get stuck. <laughs> I agree. And that's a little, little tiny animal like that could build something so strong. And so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, really, it's one of those miracles. So getting back to why we're here, why is a healthy, stable rumen microbiome, did I pronounce that right? Yep. Why is a healthy, stable rumen microbiome important in dairy production? And well, how about beef production? Yeah, so on the dairy side, John, there you know there's so many variables in play to optimize health and performance, but without a robust and resilient rumen microbiome, dairy cattle simply cannot achieve their genetic potential. It's really all about risk, and dairies that minimize those risks and the frequent, frequency and magnitude of disturbances that lead to rumen perturbations, upsets, uh, they're able to better deal with changes in stressors that lead to production and health-related disease. And the truth of the matter is uh, beef producers are no different. In both instances, a stable rumen reduces the impact of sudden changes that can throw animals off. And then we have environmental stressors as an example. We talked earlier before uh, on heat stress as an example. Heat and mud and rain, uh, those severe weather events um, uh, can throw animals off. And it's really about uh, you know, managing that risk so that when cattle experience rumen-related, what I call dysbiosis or upset of the microflora, we risk um, seeing not only immediate production or health impacts, but lingering effects. Uh, that can cause uh, uh, disease or uh, loss in productivity. Uh, common ones that we deal with in, in dairy and beef cattle would be respiratory disease, um, 
ruminacidosis uh, that can lead to things like lameness. Uh, in dairy cows, we get concerned about mastitis and, the, and those types of things. So, uh, you know, a, a healthy rumen microbiome really does help prevent some of those things from occurring. Hmm. What's the relationship between a stable, healthy rumen microbiome and the, and the animal's immune system? Yeah, so uh, quite honestly, um, on that point, John, I, I don't think you can separate them. Um, in the case of, uh, of the innate mucosal immune system, as an example, you truly uh, can't influence it without influencing the microbiome and vice versa, um, whether that be in a good or a bad way. So if we focus on the gut for a minute um, and the innate immune system, uh, we often refer to uh, gut-associated lymphoid, lymphoid tissues. Uh, we call it GALT. And the, that, that immune system is constantly in a state of sampling and surveillance of the intestinal lumen to identify and look for foreign invaders. And so by definition, an easy definition would be that the innate immune system's primary job is to um, identify, sequester, and remove foreign invaders from the system. This is all happening on a microscopic level. It is. Yeah, there are billions or trillions of these bacteria present, and the constellation or the diversity of that population um, is uh, both uh, important um, and um, as it relates to us understanding what may happen with disease or what may manifest itself in health. Well, that gives us a lot of food for thought. Is there anything else we should know? Yeah, well, digging a little bit deeper, John, uh, through many uh, immune-regulated processes, the innate immune system influences my, that microbial constellation we discussed throughout the body, and that can occur at, at basically any surface. So if you think about the lungs or the tissues of the mammary gland uh, or the gut, uh, those are all areas where the war on pathogens is initially fought. And... Um, it's commonly forgotten or maybe not even known, especially by the lay community, that, that all of these things and all those organ systems I just mentioned and where we battle for health is actually outside the body. The alimentary tract, the GI tract, all those are actually surfaces outside mm -hmm. the body. So if you think about it, it's kind of like taking uh, in that war on pathogens, it's um, making a nice, high, thick wall a nice, deep, wide moat around a castle. And if we can prevent those foreign invaders from coming in, we can prevent the risk associated with disease manifestations. How does understanding more about the immune system of one animal species help in understanding the health and productivity of that species and other species? Well, that's a good question. Um, I actually think it's pretty straightforward, yet either misunderstood or oftentimes we just... Uh, uh, flat out ignore it. And the reason I say this is that the innate immune system is highly conserved across species, meaning us cow vets can actually learn something from a chicken or fish study focused on innate immunity if we're out there digging a little bit and, and being inquisitive uh, and trying to tr uh, uh, work on our continuous improvement and, and our knowledge, um, you know, gaining knowledge. For veterinarians and researchers in particular, this is especially useful because it allows us to infer outcomes to an extent across species, but for sure, studies within the same species where immune response and gene expression are being impacted. 
personally and for many colleagues out there has been a really helpful guide to creativity and advancing understanding around modes of action, predicting biological outcomes, and defining, uh, defining novel solutions uh, to these uh, important diseases. Um, how does the immune system of shrimp, for example, relate to that of other species, including pigs and cattle? Yeah, so it's kind of a, a play on your last question, John, but uh, the similarities reside in the fact that invertebrates, uh, like shrimp, have a very similar innate immune system to vertebrates. It's the primitive natural immunity that is nonspecific against pathogens and foreign invaders like we've discussed before. The good thing about this is that for the most part, if you come up with a solution that positively impacts innate uh, immune function, for example, the likelihood of a pathogen escaping our defenses through developing resistance is very low. So in a little more detail, the innate defense system includes a couple of key components, the cellular and humoral components, which work in joint coordination for the detection and elimination of all types of foreign organisms potentially hazardous to the host. And within this system, uh, those two components, the cellular defenses, include all those reactions performed directly by hemocytes. We often uh, times talk about white blood cells as an example. They're able to phagocytize or eat mm -hmm. these bacteria as an example, or encapsulate them, surround them, and, and carry them away, or form nodules to where they can't attach and, and do, uh, do harm. Um, the, other, the other major component is the humoral uh, component of that innate immune system. And so it also has like chemical signals that can be activated and release molecules stored within those hemocytes, like anticoagulant proteins, uh, phenyloxidase enzymes, antimicrobial peptides, and protease inhibitors, and the, and the like, um, that um, you know are kind of those chemical um, things that could paralyze or incapacitate these bacteria. And then we have uh, some other uh, uh, actions and, and reactions within the body that, that help as well. So in the gut, peristalsis, you know, the movement of, of, of fluids and, and um, excrement through that system. Um, if uh, we're talking about the mucosal immunity in the lung, coughing, you know, helps us to expel uh, those types of things. Um, or even, you know, uh, more traditionally, you know, where we think outside the body, you know, tears, those types of things are all are all ways that uh, we combat these um, uh, these bacteria and, and help to prevent them through innate immune protection. Now, as we would expect, um, whether it's shrimp or pigs or cats or dogs or people, even there are some subtle differences, um, uh, and and most of those are in the relative concentrations of the specific immune cells. Um, but the mechanisms are quite similar, and we can make discoveries targeting innate immunity, regardless of which species we're talking about, uh, which allows us to advance our understanding and leverage this and apply similar techniques to advance preventative therapies and technologies that can have more specific application in a specific species of interest. And for me, as a, as a cattle vet, it's um, been very uh, important that I study lots of human literature, but also uh, chickens and fish, as an example, they're smaller. Um, they don't eat as much. Um, their life cycle is shorter. Uh, and so the cost to be able to do research in them, especially when we're talking about immune function, is considerably less, which means our trial and error to try to find novel solutions is accelerated. And so I cheat 
uh, and I read those things thoroughly, uh, because uh, anything that, as I just explained, with that conservation of the innate immune system uh, across species and the similarities, uh, I can then design benchtop studies, small animal studies, and try to intervene with different compounds, different technologies, and see if I can have the biology start working in an animal in a small setting. And then I can scale that up and take it out into our larger, into our larger mm-hmm. settings and have a higher likelihood of success earlier in the innovation process. Well, the understanding of the immune system is, is getting much broader, obviously. The, the role of the rumen and, and gut has led the latest research and has given us a better knowledge of the overall immune function. Healthy rumen microbiome is key to improving immune function, and the information Dr. Henry shared today was very helpful in explaining why. I want to thank Dr. Darren Henry from Diamond V and encourage our listeners to tune in next week to see what's on tap in animal agriculture.